Welcome back to episode three of Stick to Football. I'm Matt Miller, joined as always by my man Connor Rogers. And we have two kick-ass guests today, and we're super excited to talk about some Chicago Bears football with a star of New Girl and his new movie, Win It All, Jake Johnson. And if you watched the NFL Network's draft coverage, and they set some records for traffic this year, we're going to talk to the guy who makes it all work behind the scenes, Charlie Uke, who's the senior uh, producer for all things NFL draft for the network. And if that's not enough for you, Connor and I are going to be grading every team's draft. So this is going to be a long episode, Connor. I hope you're ready, man. Yeah, it's a marathon. Uh, I definitely have filled up on the water here and, of course, the beer for later. This is going to be such a cool episode because, Matt, especially for me and you, we're such big fans of Jake's work. And then we're also super nerdy about Charlie's work being the NFL Network's you know, lead producer and coordinator of the NFL Draft, which, I mean, me and you have worked three drafts together now. It is the craziest live event that we've both experienced. And for Charlie, it's basically... He's doing the major leagues version of it, of what it feels like on the network with, you know, so much different talent, so much different going on. They have the sets. It's obviously live TV. So I'm super pumped to talk to both of them. Jake has to be feeling some kind of way after that Chicago Bears draft. (laughs) And we're going to find out exactly how he's feeling, if he's going to have a meltdown or if he's really happy and, you know, looking, you know, on the bright side of things. Um, I've certainly been there as a Niners fan before where it's like, what did we just do? And then, you know, you, or, or the times where you're, you're super excited coming out of it. But Yeah, well, your co-host we are, is a Jets fan, so you, you think about that for a second, growing up watching some horrible drafts. That is very true. <laughs> very, very true. Um, but we have such a busy show today. We're going to try to pack everything in. So we're going to kind of go rapid fire on these grades. Um, we're going to break it down through the first half. Is that what you want to do? You want to go one through sixteen and yeah, we'll go some one, draft grades. We'll go one through sixteen. Uh, you know, we won't get a lot of teams moved up and around. We're not going to go exactly in that order, but um, you know, we have it all mapped out where we could fly through this. And I mean, let's not even wait. Uh, we got to start with the Cleveland Browns. This is the team that's going through the most turnover, I think, out of anyone. The Jets are close. The Jets are close there. The Niners are close there. But the Browns, look at all the picks they've had over the last two years. I have to say. I'm mixed on this draft. You know, I won't go on about this forever. I gave it a B plus because, listen, you you get an A plus from Miles Garrett off the start. I hated trading up for Jabril Peppers. I know that there's rumors the Steelers are going to take him. I didn't think that makes any sense. Though they got good value out of David Joku. And, you know, I don't know. I think this team's going in the right direction. I don't think they absolutely killed it by any stretch of the means. But at least, you know, the arrow's pointing up. Yeah, I'm with you. Arrow's pointing up. Uh, I gave him an A minus. I'm a little higher than you just because when I stepped back, and looked at the totality of the class. I actually liked it. I liked Larry Ogunjobi. I liked Howard Wilson. I liked Roderick Johnson. Where they got those guys uh, was huge. So, But I would say this draft could really hinge on two guys, Miles Garrett and Deshaun Kaiser. Like if those two players pan out, this is going to be an A++++ draft. If they don't, well, there's going to be turnover in Cleveland again. Yeah, without a doubt. Kaiser 100% can make it an A+. And, you know, we'll move right into – uh, you know, your San Francisco 49ers who came out swinging on day one. And I, and I wasn't even the biggest Ruben Foster fan, but to get him then was so good. They absolutely swindled the Bears because nobody was trading up no matter what you hear. Nobody was trading up into that spot. I love Solomon Thomas. I like getting Ruben Foster. I love Akello Weatherspoon. And then the draft started to tail off for me after that. CJ Beathard was a gigantic reach, gigantic reach. You know, I'm lukewarm on Joe Williams and George Kittle. I don't like Trent Taylor. 
but they killed the top half of the top of this draft. I give their grade a B minus. Yeah, I, I'm with you. They killed the top half of the draft. I gave them a B, um, which I feel like I'm pretty critical when it comes to this team. But I am, I'm with you. When I look at the C.J. Beathard pick, and I worry about this with first-time GMs, is that they are able to nail the top of the board, at, but then they they kind of peter out. You know, like they don't they don't have the depth yet, uh, depth of knowledge. But I loved George Kittle. Like you heard it. Like when they came up around five, I was like, man, I hope they draft George Kittle, and then they yep. did. And I was like, yes. But the Joe Williams pick surprises me just because. You have a guy who had some reasons, but he quit football not that long ago, and and that's a huge concern for me. But um, let's slide to that next team, the Chicago Bears. We're going to talk to Jake a little bit later about how he saw this draft. I didn't like it. I gave it a C. Um, I, I agree they, they got swindled by the Niners to trade up to that number two spot. And then I really didn't like the focus on all these small school guys. You got Ashland, North Carolina A&T, Cutstown, Pennsylvania. And an Alabama player who was hurt last year. Um, so I, I didn't like it, but if Mitch Trubisky becomes a franchise quarterback, it doesn't matter how we grade this draft because they'll have their quarterback. Yeah, I gave it a C plus. Uh, listen, I like Mitch and I'm rooting for Mitch. And, I, you know, you hear Heath Evans just tear him apart. He gets And then Mitch gets booed at the Bulls game. You got to feel for him. I really hope he kind of beats, I guess, what the odds are here and pans out. There's big expectations when you're the number two overall pick. I hated the Shaheen pick, not only for not liking the pick, I hated trading out of 36 and passing on what you need. After they got out of that pick, there was a run on what the Bears needed in the secondary. Buda Baker, Quincy Wilson, Marcus Williams. They needed one of those guys for the back end, and they blew it. Uh, obviously, you know, Eddie Jackson, okay. I don't know what you're going to really get out of him. He might have some average starter potential. It's hard for me to take a five foot, 670-pound player. I know he's the human joystick, but taking him in the fourth round seems just a tad early for me. So Bears, definitely one of the more disappointing drafts for me. Moving on, Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, this is a team that we actually have very different opinions on. I gave it a B because I think they kind of nailed it at the top. The only reason they didn't get an A- minus for me is because I would have taken Deshaun Watson. I, Blake Bortles is not getting the job done. You can't sell me on that, and they had a chance to you know change the culture, and they didn't. But I love the top of the draft with Fournette and Cam Robinson. I think they got good value at least there. Yeah, so I gave it a C because I liked Fournette. I liked Cam Robinson okay. I didn't like the rest of it. Like I didn't really like Smoot at that spot. And I hated D.D. Westbrook in the fourth round. Um, that was embarrassing, just on value. that pick. Yeah, Blair Brown, good athlete, but I think he's very similar to what they already have in Miles Jack. Um, and then Jalen Myrick, like, yeah, seventh-round pick, so let's not get too crazy about it. But he does have – he has good speed, so he has some upside. But I really I, – as much as I loved the Fournette pick and then getting an offensive tackle on Cam Robinson, I liked where they started. I just didn't like where they finished. Yeah, and I totally get that. I mean, the, the back half doesn't look good. I think I like the value of, of Brown and maybe what Smoot can be as a situational pass rusher a little more than you. But at the end of the day, they definitely didn't crush it. And like I said, they need to change the culture, and they just haven't. So, uh, you know, moving on to our next team here, the Los Angeles Rams. This is a team that didn't have a lot of draft capital, and I don't necessarily, you know, dislike what they did. I think they did just okay. You know, I give it a B. I mean, a B minus. Sorry about that. Uh, just because, listen, I like getting golf pass catchers. Gerald Everett, one of my favorite tight ends in this class. Cooper Cup, I think, is a solid player and, you know, is definitely going to help there. And Josh Reynolds, you know, another player that I, I really liked as a wide receiver. But I'm not crazy about John Johnson, the defensive back. I don't think he really brings much to the table. And Samson Abukum is just a complete wild card there. 
Yeah, I liked it a little bit more. I gave it a B. All the same reasons. Get pass catchers. Get guys who can come in. This is two years in a row. Like last year, they had no draft capital after trading up for golf, but they tried. You know, with guys like Tyler Higby, like they tried to get players in there uh, who could be helpful. After spending uh, on the offensive line uh, in free agency, you know, getting Andrew Whitworth was huge. Uh, getting John Sullivan will help right away, I think. Now it's about getting those assets on the outside, and even. You know how much I love fullbacks. Even getting Sam Rogers in in the sixth round, I, I think helps this offense because we're going to see that Sean McVay style where you are going to need somebody who can you know kind of catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit, who can be a power lead blocker. So it was very much a an offensive heavy draft, but John Johnson is kind of the wild card for me at the safety spot. And you know one thing to remember is they've lost a lot of safeties. You know they lost T.J. McDonald, um, so they're they're at a spot where. They got to start getting some young guys on the back end. And I at least like the upside with Johnson because of that versatility playing corner and playing safety for, for BC. Yeah. And moving on, uh, you know, obviously to my New York jets, I guess you could say I, I gave the jets a B this year and I'm going to explain the thing is everyone's like, how do you take the safeties and then receivers back to back and back to back? Listen, the jets needed two safeties. It's as simple as that. They needed two interchangeable safeties. Calvin Pryor, they're, they're clearly not a fan of. He's very one-dimensional box safety. Mar- uh, Marcus Gilchrist was an absolute disaster last year. I think Jamal Adams will play more of a box role, but he's a much more effective player than Calvin Pryor. And Marcus May is a combo safety. He's not a box safety. Matt, I saw you tweet this out. He can play free safety. He can play single high. He can do a lot of good things. But the Jets draft, you know, the reason I give it a B is because I think they killed the first four picks. I think those are four players that are going to help right away. They're going to change the culture there. You know, they're absolute dogs. They're alpha males. I don't think they really got anything in the bottom of this draft. That's kind of what kills me. That's where Mike McCagnon is known for making a killing. Outside of the, the you know, the flyer on Jeremy Clark, who tore his ACL this year, the corner from Michigan, I, I really don't see any pieces here. Yeah, I saw depth late, and it, it probably points to – the size that they want at corner now. You got a guy who's 6'3, 220, and a guy who's 6'2, 190, and Derek Jones late. So definitely flyers. I'm with you. I liked the safety, safety pick. I think our Darius Stewart, pound for pound, is the dude I would least want to fight in this draft He's class. Just yeah, he plays like Jarvis the things Landry. I know about him. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, I would want nothing to do with him um, if he were ever upset with me. So I like that for so many years, I watched the Jets and thought like, God, this team's soft. Like, you know, there's no fight here. Like they just roll over too often. They look flat. They're not going to roll over anymore. Yeah. And one thing that I've, I've, you know, heard over the years is, and I've talked to people who played for the Patriots about this, like you want players who will hold players accountable. And, you know, like I've, I've talked to so many guys over the years where like, that's when I, even in college, like. You need those guys. And I think Jamal Adams and Marcus May and our Darius Stewart will be those guys who will keep everyone in the locker room accountable for what they're doing. So getting leaders in the draft, I'm happy with that. Uh, moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers. This was one of my favorite drafts. And I think we both agree here. I give them an A-. minus. Um, honestly, I love the Mike Williams pick. I think the Titans screwed up by taking Corey Davis instead of him. Uh, this was a draft that you went out and you got your quarterback that's in the final you know, couple years of his career. You got him help. You got him Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney, probably the two best interior offensive linemen in this class. You got him Mike Williams, who can be his new Vincent Jackson and go up and get it above the rim target. I love the value of the defensive backs in the back end with Rayshon Jenkins and Desmond King as well. Yeah, I gave it an A. I, I thought it was great. Like you said, rounds one, two, three, playmaker at receiver, which is the biggest need for this team. 
And then going offensive line, um, they signed Russell Okung. Uh, so you have left tackle locked down for a little bit. Now you have Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney as guards. Could be great and gives you some, I think, flexibility up front, some versatility. They drafted Max Turk in the third round last year. So this could very quickly become a strong nucleus on the inside of this offensive line. Um, I would have liked to have seen another pass rusher. Hopefully they can get Melvin Ingram locked up long-term. But getting Rayshon Jenkins and Desmond King at safety, like other than receiver, their biggest need was safety. We talked a lot about Jamal Adams here, Malik Hooker here. Well, they got two guys in the fourth and fifth round who I think can become NFL starters. So I, I'm with you. This was one of my, not my favorite draft class, but it's up there. It's probably top five. Uh, no doubt. And, you know, moving on to another team that absolutely killed it. It was the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, same thing for me. I had another A minus here. I, they got an absolute stud in Christian McCaffrey, but then they doubled up. They got Curtis Samuel. Now, I'm really curious, and I'm not going to knock this until I see how they use both of them. That's so much speed and agility on the football field for Cam Newton. He hasn't had a guy like either of these guys. It feels like throughout his entire career. But I thought they did really well with value, too. I really like Taylor Moten. I, I think he could play right tackle. I think he could play guard. Corn Elder, a guy that could play in the slot and be productive. Maybe you develop Deshaun Hall down the line as a you know, deaf pass rusher. I thought the Panthers killed it. I thought they did, too. And it was one of those drafts that, like, during the draft, I don't think I realized how good it was. But then you step back a couple of days after – and when you're not, you know, dead tired anymore, and you're like, damn, they got McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and Taylor Moten, and I like the upside of Deshaun Hall as a defensive end in their scheme. Uh, I like Corn Elder as a slot corner. So, like, they really did check a lot of boxes. So I gave it an A, uh, and it was weird because it wasn't like, even though they drafted a running back receiver in the first two rounds, like, we just got so caught up in talking about all the other teams that it, it really surprised me when I came home. And started looking at, you know, class by class to see just how good the Panthers did. So the next team, the Cincinnati Bengals, this was actually the hardest, the team I struggled most with grading. I ended up giving them a B plus because uh, to be completely honest with you, I don't want to end up looking stupid from this. I think I disliked the class more from a personal standpoint than from an actual talent standpoint. It, you know, whoever was taking Joe Mixon, I was never going to get behind it. So that's just a personal thing. I, I hate obviously everything he's done and it's disappointing but he's probably going to have a good NFL career John Ross is a wild card at nine because he can be an absolute stud but he's also one more injury away from being out of football for quite some time so I, I wasn't crazy about Jordan Willis it's kind of funny with this draft I liked the back half of it I think Carl Lawson in the fourth round is incredible value I think Josh Malone has so much upside as a big wide receiver with some speed. And Ryan Glasgow could be a really nice rotational, you know, interior defensive lineman for them. I'm absolutely with you. What's weird is in my notes, I put this is a, a class where the first two picks could bust. But the rest of the class was so good that it makes you like it because they did address, you know, the pass rusher position, getting new guys, not just those huge, tall defensive ends that we're used to seeing. They got some speed players in Carl Lawson and Jordan Willis. And I really like Josh Malone in the fourth round. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he ended up having a better career than John Ross just because of the injury concerns with Ross, the fact that I think his size makes him uh, a little hard to use in, in some schemes, especially with Andy Dalton. But I, I, I liked this class top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, they might have actually gotten five to six starters. I don't want to say that, five to six starters, but maybe four to five starters out of a class, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is insane. It's unheard of. Now, it's a wild card. You know, Joe Mixon's one more instant away from, you know, being 
shamed for life. And John Ross is one injury away from that, but they're great football players. So, you know, moving on to the Buffalo Bills, who I also thought this is the opposite. This class, this isn't the Bengals where you look at it and you go, man, it's like a, that's just a sexy, like, you know, really, really talented class. The Bills just got solid football players with Tredavious White. Listen, I think he could be a really nice slot corner at the next level. I think Zay Jones could be a solid number two. Deion Dawkins is going to be one of those guys where you kind of forget about him, but he probably goes in and gets the job done week after week. So, and I think Peterman could be a really nice number two down the road. So I thought the Bills, they didn't go in and you go, wow, look at that Bills class. But five years down the road, we might be like, hey, they got a you know, handful of starters out of here and a nice number two quarterback. Yeah, I liked it as well. Um, I, I gave it a little lower than you. I gave it a B minus just because I, I thought they got a little cute, but I like getting the two second round picks, getting Jan Dawkins and Zay Jones because receiver was a huge need for them. Right tackle was a huge need for them. Um, and like you said, getting Tredavious White, he might not make the Pro Bowl every year, but he has the potential to be a Pro Bowl corner. And he's just so solid. Um, I, the one thing was, I really didn't like, and this is being super picky, I didn't like Matt Milano in the fifth round. I just really just think that he was like a, you know, there's age concerns, health concerns, he's small. Like that's a that's a seven or a priority free agent guy. And yep. the same with Tanner Vallejo, who when he's healthy, looks good. But he hasn't been healthy in two years. So that's a concern for me. Like I loved Peterman around five. And like, can we just talk about for a second? The hype on Nate Peterman was at one point early round two. Man. And he went round five. Get, did people so get fooled? Next year, maybe next year, we just pump the brakes on Josh Dobbs, Nathan Peterman, even Brad Kaya. Like I feel bad a lot for of Brad. these quarterbacks, yeah. we all expected. I, I did too. We all expected this run that never happened. And it's like the value actually came back to where the actual value is. Yeah. And by the way, I gave the Bills a B. I know after I went through all of that, I didn't even say the grade, but just a B. Um, moving on to the Saints, who <laughs> this is going to be really interesting between you and I, because this is probably where we differ most. I gave the Saints a, a B minus now, and I'll break it down why, because I look at the class and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't completely hate it. It's just that there's a lot of risk with Marshawn Lattimore's hamstrings, but 11 at 11, it's hard to pass on him. I don't really know what Ryan Ramchick brings to the table for them at 32. I thought they could have got a lot more value elsewhere than offensive line there. Marcus Williams is a guy that he doesn't want to tackle, but if he can, you know, be your ball hawk on the back end, if you ask him just to, you know, help in coverage, he'll be okay. I love Alvin Kamara. And listen, Alex Anzalone hasn't been, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Trey Hendrickson, I mean, I think his upside is a, you know, a rotational pass rusher. And then Muhammad, who didn't play football this year, got kicked out of Miami. I don't expect anything out of. Yeah, I expect nothing from him, but I liked the rest of this class a lot, um, which kind of surprised me, again, because, you know, I didn't like Ryan Ramchek at first. And then you look at Zach Streif, who's been in the NFL for like 11 seasons. They're going to need a right tackle. And you, Kamara in round three I thought was a steal. Even with Adrian Peterson being signed, I don't know how much you actually expect from that dude year one, uh, or, or this year, excuse me. But then what they did defensively, because this is where the weakness of this roster was. Like Marshawn Lattimore was a steal. Uh, Marcus Williams, I'm not as high on him as some other people, but they needed a third safety. Trey Hendrickson and Alex Anzalone, upside guys. You know, like if Anzalone's healthy, he might be your starting weak side linebacker, which was, you know, they they wanted to take Reuben Foster at 32 and weren't able to. So Anzalone is not Reuben Foster, but 
he can at least lock down that weak side position. So I ended up giving them an A. Uh, and again, it's like not my top grade, but one of the top grades I handed out this year. Yeah, and now moving on to a team that you you didn't feel very good about, and neither did I. And it's kind of hard to you know really defend their draft is the Philadelphia Eagles. With the Eagles, it didn't it just feel like they kept missing who they were targeting by just a few picks. Yes, yeah, it's like oh man, we want Christian McCaffrey. Oh, he's gone six picks before, or like it, it did feel that way in round one, in round two. It, it, yeah, I, I almost thought felt like. Not that they were panicking, but it was like, yes, like you said, like the guy they wanted just kept going two picks before or three picks before. And it it kind of put this weird funk over a draft class that they did get some talented players. I just don't know what the value for these guys like Sidney Jones, you know, in the middle of round two. Hopefully he can play this year. And and even like Derek Barnett, like they have good defensive ends like Chris Long and Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham. Like these guys are solid. And, you know, Marcus Smith was a first-round pick three years ago. I know he hasn't done anything, but, like, they have a lot tied into that defensive end position. So I was surprised they didn't go corner earlier and especially go corner with someone who could play right away. So I ended up giving them a C just because, like, they did get some solid players, but it felt like they they kind of drafted them in really weird spots. That's exactly how I felt, and I gave them a C as well because, listen, I think Barnett will be a solid starter. I, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that at 14. Not very good, to be honest with you. I love Sidney Jones, but you're not really getting any instant impact there right away. Razul Douglas, not a big fan. Danelle Pumphrey, not a big fan. Shelton Gibson, Nate Gary. Listen, Gary will be a really nice special teams player. I don't know if Gibson and Pumphrey make it in the league. The one pick I do like here is Mac Hollins because I think he can give you so much on special teams while being an upside wide receiver in the red zone. So they get a C. I was a little disappointed with their draft class as a whole, but they did get some starters there. Moving on to a draft class that you and I absolutely loved, the Arizona Cardinals. God, is this defense going to be so fast, even faster than they already were? Getting Hassan Reddick and then Buda Baker, it, I mean – they are going to fly around, and then they got a who a guy I believe is going to be a 10-year starter at guard in the fourth round in Dorian Johnson. I love TJ Logan, the value there in the fifth. I thought they did so well in this draft, and I gave them a, a minus. Yeah, I gave them a very high grade as well. I gave them an A. I love Tassan Reddick. Like, I didn't know if he was going to fall to 13. When it, like, as we thought talked about him and thought about him, like, man, he seemed like a top 10 player. He fell to 13, and the Cardinals filled their two biggest needs. They needed an inside linebacker, and they needed a, a pass rusher, and he can do both. And then to get Buda Baker, like, talk about shoring up your secondary. Like, you lose Tony Jefferson, eh, we'll just draft Buda Baker. And now you have Buda Baker, Tyron Matthew, and Pat Pete back there. It's like immediately one of the best secondaries in the NFL. And, and you said it, Dorian Johnson was a steal where they got him. Chad Williams, the, the receiver from Grambling, is intriguing to me because I think he's going to give them some size. And the one thing that I was like pounding on the table for them to do, you know, the last two years was like, get a, get a receiver, like put value on a receiver, not a late round pick, a top 100 pick who you feel like can maybe, maybe not replace Larry Fitzgerald, but you can start to get some younger guys on the roster who at least profile as future starters. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, they went in and they absolutely crushed it. It's as simple as that. Now, a team that didn't have a first round pick, but I thought still did okay was the Minnesota Vikings. Now, 
Listen, Dalvin Cook is a complete wild card. We're well aware of that. We know he's talented. At 41, I can justify taking the player. A- anything after 40, I can justify it because they need a run. Listen, they need a, you know a playmaker. He's going to do well because Sam Bradford loves that short passing attack, and he can make something happen after the catch. I thought Pat Fline and Jaleel Johnson were really solid value picks just because I think they can be st- their starting level talent. So, uh, listen, considering they didn't have a first-round pick, I thought the Vikings did just okay, and I gave them a B. You know, I should have factored in the Sam Bradford effect. You know, like if you grade their draft and you look at it, Sam Bradford, Dalvin Cook, Pat Elfline, Jaleel Johnson, Bing Gideon, Rodney Adams, Danny Isadora, Bucky Hodges, Stacey Coley, uh, Fetty, uh, the kid from Northwestern whose last name I'm going to butcher, Elijah Lee, and Jack Tocho. Like that's a pretty good draft. So my grade, I'm going to pull a Sims here and be like, man, my grade, the grade I gave you before with C plus, I was way low on that. I think it's probably a B plus draft. Honestly, just when you factor in what they gave up to get Sam Bradford and how well he played last year, it's a much better class than I realized, um, you know, when I was coming off like three hours sleep in two days. Yeah, no doubt. And I actually really like the two last seventh round picks. I think Elijah Lee, you know, I know you said it was a mistake for him to declare and you were not wrong. But I think he can become something, and I think Jack Tocho, if he has the long speed to make it in the NFL, he'll be okay because he's he could really press at the line of scrimmage and give receivers fits. All right, getting down to the you know the end of the first half here with the Colts. God, I love you, Chris Ballard, so much. Like I don't know if there's a talent evaluator I respect more than Chris Ballard. Because look at the difference between this Colts draft compared to the last five or whatever it was. It's so ridiculous, the value they got here. You get Malik Hooker, 15th overall, and then Quincy Wilson, 46th overall. Your secondary is finally fixed. Finally. And then you get Terrell Basham, Marlon Mack later on, Anthony Walker Jr., who I was crazy about. You get him in the fifth round. Chris Ballard, just he's going to change the Colts, and Andrew Luck is going to have a legitimate shot to go deep in the postseason now in the future. And I gave it an A minus. Yeah, so I gave this an Yeah, I gave it an A plus. This was the highest grade I, I gave out. <laughs> and you were talking you should have. You're so excited. You were talking earlier about like there might be four or five starters. And then you stopped yourself talking about another team's draft. There might be five or six starters in this draft. Like, not joking around. Like Malik Hooker, starter, Quincy Wilson, starter, Terrell Basham might not be a year one starter, but he can become one. Zach Banner can can be a starter. Marlon Mack could be a starter. And I would not rule out Anthony Walker Jr. becoming a starter down the road. So everyone listening to this should know how much I love Chris Ballard and that I've been like every opening that that came available for the last three years, people would ask me, who's the best GM candidate out there? It was always Chris Ballard, always. And this is why. And listen, these guys, the draft picks, they could bust, but he got two of my top 10 players in the draft with Malik Hooker and Quincy Wilson. So to do that as a first-time general manager and knowing that he has Andrew Luck as his quarterback, like it's very easy to see this team being very, very good quickly. And, and they were already solid, but they could be like – there could be a Super Bowl run here. with, with If he can piece together another offseason next year like he did this year, like this team's going to be elite, I believe. Yeah, I agree, and I'm I'm actually really excited for the future under them because he's he's finally getting his chance, and I'm just happy for Andrew Luck to be honest with you because he really deserves to have a, you know, a GM that has a clue of what to do in the NFL draft. So, moving on to one of my lowest grades, the Baltimore Ravens. I, I give them a C. I did not like Marlon Humphrey in the first round. They took him 16th overall. 
I'm not as crazy about Tyus Bowser as the rest of the world seems to be. I mean, you got him at 47th. I think he could do some really good things in coverage, but I'm just not that nuts about him. I thought they did great with the Chris Warmly pick in round three. I think Warmly's a 10-year starter. He just does so many things well. will be really good for the locker room. The wild card of this class, and I gave it a C, and it might become a B-plus, A-minus if Tim Williams can just piece it together and become the double-digit sack guy he's supposed to be. But with every story we've heard about him, Matt, and the, the weed and Jolly Ranchers diet story, uh, I'm not expecting that to happen. And this draft class is not good, in my opinion, at all. I have to I'm going to Florida in five weeks. I wonder if that's what I need to do to get beach ready after the, the hell that was draft season. If I just uh, I, maybe um, getting back to the draft, I gave them a B plus based entirely on potential like the I love Chris Wormley. I thought they got a steal there, right? Tyus Bowser, all about potential. Marlon Humphrey, all about potential. Tim Williams, all about potential. So I, I could definitely see where you're coming from and being like, God, they, you know, they reached on a lot of players or took big chances on a lot of players. Another thing I liked that was kind of under the radar was anchoring the offensive line with, with two picks in round four and round five to get offensive guards because Marshall Yonda is eventually going to get old and retire. Uh, Alex Lewis they picked up in the fourth round last year so he might become something but it's time to start getting younger on this offensive line after losing so many people in free agency you know, Ricky Wagner's gone at right tackle so um, I, we could see a pretty interesting battle there after drafting Ronnie Stanley in the first last year like, I like the direction that the offensive line's going alright uh, so that's the first half we're going to take a break we're going to bring on our man Jake Johnson hear his thoughts on the Bears class hear what he's got planned in the future maybe another season of New Girl let's hope Uh, and we'll be right back after this Welcome back to Stick to Football, and we have uh, the coolest guest we've had so far. We're only three episodes in, but still our coolest guest, uh, Jake Johnson. Um, my like all-time favorite movie, Drinking Buddies, uh, which was my first introduction to you. And then I got hooked on New Girl, and then I got hooked on your new movie, Win It All. So I'm like a fanboy right now, dude, and you're a huge Bears fan, so I'm, I'm stoked to talk to you this week. Well, thanks for having me on, uh, and thanks for watching Win It All. It's a movie that Joe Swanberg and I did together, and we also did uh, Drinking Buddies together, so we're trying to uh, keep the tradition going. So, Jake, it's it's great that we have you on this week because coming out of the NFL draft, obviously the Bears seem to have the most polarizing draft class. Moving up to get Mitch Trubisky, obviously taking the small school tight end Shaheen in the, in the second round after trading out. How are you feeling right now as a Bears fan coming out of this weekend? I love what Pace did. Uh, at first, I was a little worried about it, like everybody else was. But, you know, if he believes Mitch is the franchise quarterback, then you go out and you get him. And everybody's talking about how we oversold and over, you know, how San Francisco, you know, beat us out. But look, let's be honest. We gave up th- a third-round draft pick and a fourth-round draft pick. And then we traded our second, and we got a fourth round back. So I think in total we gave up two third round draft picks. Uh, last year I think we got Jonathan Bullard, or Bullard, who's a good player, but I'd rather a franchise quarterback than two of those. So yeah, absolutely, you can get studs in the third round. But if we, if Mitch is somebody who Pace thinks he is, then we got our franchise quarterback, and if. Our quarterback now, Mike Glennon, can come in and have a good year, and we could trade him for picks next year. 
then we're going to be sitting really pretty. Yeah, you're right. And like, because of the quarterback market right now, it's crazy. Like people are wanting to trade a first round pick for AJ McCarron. So absolutely. And so if we got this kid out of Tampa and people are saying that he actually could be good, he just needs a shot and we need Mitch to sit and learn the NFL a little bit. Well, if we go, if we win eight games this year, nine games this year, and we look good, well, then we have a great trade chip while we've been developing a quarterback, which in Chicago, we haven't developed a quarterback in my lifetime. So I'm actually kind of excited about what Pace is doing. And if this tight end has the upside that people think, now you've got a young quarterback and a tight end who are being drafted and developed at the same time. So I want to go completely out of left field um, and ask you a question I didn't prep you for. So this is going to be fun. Um, One of our our Facebook friends, Megan Armstrong, asked us, which of your like quirks and like personality traits are actually the traits of you know your character on New Girl Nick? Like how much of that's you and how much of that is like the character that was written in the script? Well, I think a lot of the actual quirks and things are similar to me because there's so much improv in the show. I think what's different about it is his life situation because a lot of people will say like, well, are you just Nick? And the truth is, is I'm married with kids and a mortgage and I haven't stopped working in the last 10 years. And Nick lives in a loft with a bunch of people and hasn't stopped drinking in the last 10 years. (laughs) But the way he and I find comedy is exactly the same way, if that makes sense. So in scenes, the way we'll shoot, it'll be like Max Greenfield and I in a scene. And on page, it'll be, you know, a one page scene. Well, he and I will improvise so much and give a lot of options And that stuff is just what I think is funny and what he thinks is funny. So all those kind of weird little quirks, a lot of those, you know, are mine and are his. And same with Lamorne and same with Zoe. You know, you on a TV show, especially like New Girl, that's single cam, you end up bringing a lot of yourself to the character because you shoot a lot. We've done about 140 episodes. Wow. Jake, one question uh, me and Matt get so often is, you know, how do we get our start in our field? How do we get a start in journalism? How do we get a start in media and just video in general? Now, you know, I have to ask you, how did you get your start in acting? When did you catch your first break? Because it's such a competitive field. I feel like, you know, so many people obviously want to do it. They move out west. What was your start like? Yeah, you know, the whole, the the way into the kind of Hollywood game, especially when I came in, was so random. Now people can make videos and you can explode from you know, making a YouTube clip and then, you know, you get a, a, a deal at a network. But in my era, when I moved out here in 2004, it was at the beginning of YouTube. So everybody was just doing stage stuff. So my big kind of break was that uh, I was friends with a guy named Derek Waters who ended up creating Drunk History. Uh, and he and I met a guy named Nick Jasinovic, who was a young director. Uh, and we all went to a party and met Mike Sarah. And Mike Sarah and Charlene Yee and Nick Jasinovic were putting together a documentary, uh, a fiction, like a, a, a faux documentary, and they needed someone to play the director, Nick Jasinovic, who was actually the director, and they needed somebody who wasn't famous and nobody knew, so people would believe I was really Nick Jasinovic. And so they gave me that part, and that movie ended up going to Sundance and selling. And from that movie, a guy named Max Winkler saw it and put me in a movie with Uma Thurman called Ceremony. And in the movie Ceremony, Max Winkler and Liz Merriweather, the creator of New Girl, were working on a script together. And she was giving him notes on an early cut of Ceremony and liked my performance. 
and brought me in uh, to audition for her movie, No Strings Attached, with uh, Natalie Portman and uh, Kutcher. And then after we did that, that movie opened up at number one. And so Fox picked up her pilot, which was then called Chicks and Dicks. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she said, come read for the part of uh, Nick. And then Chicks and Dicks became uh, New Girl. I've never heard that. That's amazing. So it's a really wild, it's a really wild kind of, there's a lot of luck involved. Yeah, I, I can absolutely speak to that. Um, so I've been following your career for what feels like a really long time. And like one thing that I'm so jealous of is the people you get to work with. Like you just mentioned like your castmates on New Girl who are amazing. And you just did a movie with Tom Cruise and the cast of Win It All is amazing. Like I was like DMing you the whole time. Like hey, you're working with this person and this person. And it's like you've like you've been surrounded by so many great people like who's the one where you're like like you said you're married with kids who's the one where you tell your wife like i can't believe i get to work with this person yeah you know there's been a lot i feel like in my career my friends and i used kind of sports you know metaphors to where we've kind of fit in and you know where you are in terms of being a draft pick and i feel like i was a late round draft pick who happened to be able to play on really good teams with really great players you know at new girl if you look at them from dennis farina to you know, Dermot Mulroney, all these stuff, Olivia Munn, Megan Fox, um, Prince, Prince. Yeah. Forget about it. Prince. Uh, but I think the one that, I mean, Prince really blew my mind. You're right. I forgot about that one before, but Prince was phenomenal, but I think it's gotta be Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was just an out of body experience and he was everything that I wanted him to be in that he is as intense as you think he's going to be. He makes direct eye contact the whole time. He works harder than anybody, but he'll also do Tom Cruise bits. And what I mean by that is there was a day we were working out and he was wearing aviator glasses and no shirt. And then he just looked like the guy from Top Gun. <laughs> and so I said, like, you look like you're in Top Gun, dude. And then we started doing the Top Gun handshake and laughing. And I'm like, he gets that it's funny that he's Tom Cruise. And I thought, how could we be cooler than this dude? You know, he, he reminds me of being on a team with like a Tom Brady or a Michael Jordan because nobody works harder than that dude. Uh, and so he's my kind of number one. I really loved it. That's, so, that's fantastic. So, Jake, if you can give us a sneak peek, what's next? What's ahead that people might not know about yet? Yeah, well, we're still, you know, because of this weird model of Netflix with Win It All, what's been really wild about it is that, you know, we did the press and the push like it was an opening, but they just had me on James Corden two days ago. So what's really wild about this new world of kind of the wild west of content these days is that it never ends because whenever people discover it, it's new to them. So I'm, I'm going to continue pushing Win It All because it's a movie I love and believe in. Um, I think New Girl's probably coming back for season seven. Now that the uh, Writers Guild didn't go on strike, which I'm very happy about, we all get to keep working. Uh, my guess is that New Girl will come back for a seven, or my hope is. And then there's a studio movie that I'm uh, a comedy that it's looking like I'm going to go shoot this summer down in Georgia. That's, you're a busy man. That's what uh, is amazing. Like you said, you've been working for 10 years, which is definitely something that, that you and I have in common. It's that, like, um, you know, there's always somebody else out there who wants your gig, so you got to kind of work your ass off. Just I, so heard you know. a, I heard a great, uh, I think it was Bill Parcells' quote on one of those, like NFL networks, but uh, he had told, I think it was Curtis Martin, but he said, 
Curtis Martin was saying he was injured, and he said, don't leave the huddle because you don't know who's going to come in and replace you. Oh, and, that's great. And I feel like that's very similar to our business in that there are certain jobs where I'll think I want to take the time off, but once somebody comes in, if they can do it too, then it's going to be hard to get that next job. So I feel like you got to sprint until the tide turns on you, and then once it turns – you know, hope you took enough gold from these California hills that you, you don't have to fight for more jobs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, dude. I know how busy you are. I know you're out there promoting the movie like hell, which is awesome. And hopefully everybody listening will watch it. Uh, it's called Win It All on Netflix. I loved it. Um, I know Connor loved it. I know my, my kid loved it. So if my 16-year-old daughter loves it, it's got to be good. So. That's really cool, man. I'm glad she liked it. That means a lot. Yeah, so thank you. And hopefully, uh, you know, good luck to your Bears and your Cubs. And we'll have to get you back on as soon as the season starts. That sounds great, man. Good luck to you guys. With right. it. Yeah, thanks, buddy. All right, welcome back to Stick to Football, Episode 3. That was Jake Johnson, our guy uh, from New Girl and from his new movie, Win It All. And then uh, coming up here in just a little bit, we've got Charlie Uke from uh, NFL Network. But next, Connor, we got to get through Team 17 to 32 with these draft grades. And I'll tell you, my lowest grade of the entire draft is coming up really soon. So I'm excited you know, to hear and, and I'm, I applaud you for that because I should have had the cojones to give them <laughs> the same grade because I hated their draft. I just didn't want to be too mean. But anyways, all right, starting off with the Washington Redskins, a.k.a. Uh, the, you know, let's build the Alabama front seven kind of draft here I, I listen i gave it an a minus because i just love jonathan allen and anything you do after that is gravy but also fabian moreau and samaji Pirine are awesome yeah uh hat tip to the to washington for stealing scott McLuhan's big board and executing it to perfection with um four defensive starters potentially coming out of that draft so uh i liked it as well uh, i gave it an a minus same grade as you so moving on now this is where it gets ugly folks uh i'm giving the titans a c plus uh, my real grade for them, if I had any cojones, is a C minus. Uh, I hate Corey Davis at five so much because, listen, he's a good player. He's going to be a good number two wide receiver. You never use a top five pick on a number two wide receiver. Adoree Jackson felt like a reach at 18. And after that, it's it's just kind of a lot of just guys after that. So I gave it a D because a I D. hated it. A D, yeah. For goddamn, what were you guys thinking? Like, what, <laughs> you, I I didn't like it. I love Corey Davis. Not at five, coming off the injury, the ankle injury that he hasn't done anything, man. Adoree Jackson, reach. Uh, Taewon Taylor, like okay, like we're gonna look okay. like okay. Johnu Smith, okay, like he's an upside guy. Those are your top 100 picks. I really thought they needed another pass rusher. I thought they needed uh, more than one corner. Uh, so I, I didn't like the draft class. And I really like John Robinson, the GM. But I, I just, I'm not feeling it, man. I really didn't like their draft class last year either. And I know that Conklin played well last year. But I just overall have not been a fan of what they're doing. No, it was the Jag draft. It was the just a guy draft. That's what it felt like throughout the entire board, and I, I didn't like it. But moving to a team that got a much better grade from from the both of us, I give the Tampa Bay Bucks an A minus because, man, starters, starters, starters. OJ Howard, Pro Bowl level starter. Justin Evans uh, could be a very solid corner, I think, if he makes the switch. Yeah, love Chris Godwin, love Kendall Beckwith, uh, my man Stevie T in the seventh round, the big boy Stevie T, that rotational run stuffer. Yeah, shout out Steven Nelson uh, for the Stevie T love. I also give him an A-. The one guy you didn't hit on that I liked, Jeremy McNichols, 
with so much uncertainty at the running back position for them, I thought that was a great pick in round five. Yeah, no doubt. And now moving on to a team, this is actually my lowest grade. The Denver Broncos, I gave a C-. minus. God, I did not like this draft, and I feel like I, I just feel like they didn't capitalize on value at all. I know you're a bigger Garrett Bowles fan than me. I think he'll be a very mediocre tackle at the next level, but where it gets ugly is round two, taking Demarcus Walker there. That pick is an F to me. Uh, I love Carlos Henderson in round three, but that was really the only thing I liked at all about this draft class. I was just said they got your guy Carlos in round three. That's, <laughs> a, that's what kept it from being an F, was that they took Carlos. <laughs> Carlos brought it to a, a C-. minus. Uh, so I gave it a B. I like it a little more than you because I really like Garrett Bowles. Um, and, and it's weird because I felt like they took a lot of like kind of boomer bust guys. Like, you know, Demarcus Walker, I hated in round two. Brendan Langley in round three, like he's super fast and they needed to get young at corner. I like Jake Butt if he's healthy, but he's beat to hell right now. So I, I, I'm with you. And, and it's weird that like with Elway, like we think of him as like, oh, he's a top GM. But he really like was handed Von Miller and it was handed Peyton Manning. And I don't know that he's done much as a drafter to justify that status. So I really think he needs this this class to be a hit. Yeah, for sure. And another team that needed this class to be a hit is the Detroit Lions. And uh, I like what I'm seeing. I, I Listen, I gave them a B. I love Jared Davis. Tease Tabor, I think, is going to outplay that draft spot. I, I know the 40 was disgusting, but I think he's really going to turn it around. I, I thought they did really well. Yeah, I did too. I gave it a B plus for all the same reasons. Um, Jared Davis, instant starter, and I liked what they did top to bottom. Like there, there wasn't a pick where I was like, "Yeah, I don't really like that." Uh, moving on to the Miami Dolphins, this was actually you know one of my favorite drafts. I gave it a B plus. I thought they just went out and got starters. I think Charles Harris can really give them some juice off the edge. Raekwon McMillan is pro-ready to play on the inside, sideline to sideline speed. I think Tankersley will be a really nice number three kind of corner. And I thought they did really well on the back end. I thought Vincent Taylor is a guy that could get in and be rotational run stuffer. And Isaiah Ford is probably going to outplay that seventh round selection. Yeah, I gave it an A minus. I really liked this class as well. Um, you know, good job by Chris Greer and his staff to not only identify talent, but I, I really felt like the valuations were strong. And they got a couple steals. You know, Vincent Taylor could be a stud. Isaac Asiata could be a stud. And the one to watch is uh, uh, David Godshaw from LSU. If they can get him dialed in, and I know that he had some issues at LSU, but if he can reach his potential, he could be a very good player. Moving on to the New York football Giants. Uh, I, listen, I gave this a B minus and I feel so weird about it because it was like the every other pick kind of deal. Like Evan Ingram going to be a solid player. Didn't think it was a need. He plays where Sterling Shepard plays. That's where he wins. Thought they should have taken Joku, but he'll be fine. Love Dalvin Tomlinson in the second round. I think he's going to be a stud replacing Jonathan Hankins. And I love Wayne Gallman. And I think even Avery Moss can give them a little juice on the, you know, as a defensive end. But I, I thought they did just okay. So I gave them a B plus based on one thing, Davis Webb, because I've seen the regression of Eli Manning over the last two years that no one talks about. It's really bad. It's bad. And he's still a good quarterback, but the regression is there. So they need to identify someone who can be a quarterback of the future. And Webb was, you know, listen, one year starter at Cal, but there's a lot to work with there. And I think Ben McAdoo is a great fit for him. So moving on, uh, we might finally have a dent in the Reggie McKenzie armor because you and finally. I finally didn't love their draft class. I gave it a C plus. 
listen, if all's cleared with Gary and Conley, I think he's going to be a very good starting corner, kind of that number two corner level caliber player. Do not like Obi. Eddie Vanderdose cannot stay healthy. I don't really know what you're getting out of David Sharp. I do like Markel Lee, but overall, this draft class just didn't do it for me and doesn't really instantly fix a lot of their holes. Yeah, the only pick I liked was Gary and Conley. And like Jill and Ware from Alabama State in the seventh round is like a decent like upside project at tackle. But I didn't like the rest of the draft. So I gave it a C. Um, they didn't address linebacker. And like you said, you took a massive project at free safety in round two, a height, weight, speed guy who's not a football player. Vanderduce can't stay healthy. And David Sharp is struggle with weight. So th- there's just a lot of issues for me with this draft. Uh, moving on, Houston Texans, I give it a B plus. Houston Texans needed one thing coming into this draft since they couldn't get it done in you know free agency. Obviously couldn't get Tony Romo, whatever. They needed a quarterback that can win them games. And Deshaun Watson can win you games. So I loved that pick. A little bit of the icing on the cake was getting Zach Cunningham falling all the way to 57th. Uh, they obviously got your guy, Deontay Foreman. I thought they did really well here. Yeah, I thought they did really well, too. I gave it an A minus. We've talked before you and I about how we wish we had time after the draft to just be like, I like this player more because of where he was drafted. And that's that's what I would say about Deshaun Watson. Like, I like him so much more because of where he was drafted. Just think he could be a really, really good player for them. So now, you know, going to a team where you just look at it and you go, you could show their draft class without telling you the team and you'd know who it was with the Seattle Seahawks. (laughs) This was the most Seahawks draft ever, although I will say it's actually one of, you know, my least favorite in comparison to their great draft class. I gave it just a B minus. If they can turn the engine on with Malik McDowell, they have a pro bowl talent. I don't I have doubts that they could do that. I don't know what Ethan Posick is at the next level. I love the Shaq Griffin pick in their system. Delano Hill, I think it's just going to be a smash mouth at the line kind of safety for them. Tedrick Thompson fits what they want to do. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of a average draft class for Seattle. Yeah, I, I gave it a B. And I would say that for them, it was pretty average. It all hinges on if Malik McDowell figures it out. And if they can motivate him to play hard. And Shaq Griffin is a great project, as is Delano Hill. But there's no one in this class where I'm like, man, that dude's making a difference day one. Like it, It's just... Like you said, you said it best. It was a really average class, and I felt like they needed more than they accomplished here. So here's I did where, like that they had yeah. four third-round picks. Like, that was probably the one thing that I maybe would have gave, given them a better grade for. Like, they were loaded with third-round picks, which is a sweet spot in this draft. Yeah, they played their hand right with that. Uh, now this is where it gets fun with the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, I give you credit because you're just holding to your guns. We're both we're similar here. You're a little lower than me. I went with a B minus because I'm almost scared to give this a lower grade than that if Patrick Mahomes turns into a star. I have my doubts, but if he does, this draft class is an A+. The rest of this class does absolutely nothing for me. No, I'm with you. Um, they were ballsy and trading up for Mahomes, and I didn't think they gave up too much. Um, so that that wasn't a problem for me. I gave it a C plus. Um, when I looked at what they did, you know, with Tano uh, Passignan, how do you like that? Uh, I've been nice. been studying. I, I didn't like him. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Kareem Hunt, he's slow. Uh, Chesson, okay, that's four. He's okay, pick, but he's a hard nosed yeah. blocking, you know, possession kind of guy. Yeah, and they only had six picks because of the trade. 
um, which it's not a roster that has a lot of needs. But gosh, if Mahomes, it, it's crazy that, and I like him a lot. So don't don't take this wrong, Chiefs fans. Everyone is banking on this kid being Brett Favre, and we're forgetting that Brett Favre is a super rare Hall of Fame all time great. Like, there's a chance he's Blake Bortles. Like. There are equal ends of the spectrum that he could fall to. Um, and I, I honestly see him as being a boomer bus guy. Like, I don't know that he would ever just be solid, you know? Like, I, it's it's all or nothing when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. I agree. And their roster is so good. They've done such a good job there the last four to five years that I liked that they were in the position to take this chance, and they did it. Now, a, a team that didn't, have to take any kind of chances and didn't because you look at their draft class and it's like man solid guys that are going to help right away the Dallas Cowboys I gave him a B plus I don't even love Taco Charlton but I understand the pick and the presence he brings to that front seven obviously you know Awuzier and Jordan Lewis grabbing both of those defensive backs those are guys that can help right away and I love the Ryan Switzer pick here yeah Switzy our boy I loved this draft as well I gave it an A and I'm not even going to talk about any of the picks because you just did a great job. I'm going to talk about Will McClay, who is technically their, I guess, assistant player personnel guy. Whatever his title is, is not good enough. He's amazing. And a huge part of the reason that they've been so successful lately is that they've handed this over to him, like letting him really be a scout, uh, letting him have a big role in that front office. So Will McClay... It is, the only reason he's not a GM is because he's basically the GM in Dallas. So hell of a job once again by by him and his staff. Uh, moving on to Green Bay, this was one of the funnier classes because I actually hated the first pick they made, taking Kevin King 33rd overall. And I liked Kevin King for a while, but 33rd overall is probably maybe 50 to 60 picks too high for me. And I still gave them a B plus because I love the rest of this class. They got my guy, Jamal Williams. So they were automatically getting a good grade from that, but I think they just really capitalized on all their picks here. Yeah. I give them an a, um, I honest, excuse me. I liked the draft. Um, and when I talked to someone in green Bay a couple of days ago, he was like, you know what? This might be one of the best drafts we've actually had since I've been here because they just got solid players. Jamal Williams, Montrevious Adams, Vince Beagle, Josh Jones and Kevin yeah. King. No like superstars, but starters. Right. Yes, and that's what they needed because you have a superstar quarterback. And on defense, they're going to be solid and not special, but that's good enough to win when you have Aaron Rodgers. So I I liked it more than, like you said, when, when the trade happened and they got out of round one, I, I didn't expect to like this draft and ended up really liking it. Another team that, you know, still came out in the B's, I gave them a B minus, but I hated their first pick again, was the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't understand how TJ Watt became a first round prospect. But yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I'm not going to even get into it because you can see how angry and upset I'm getting in my voice tone. Uh, Juju, just born to be a Steeler. I think he's going to eat across the middle of the field with Big Ben. Cam Sutton, underrated corner. Uh, I love James Conner there. Listen, if you can get a backup of the future, I have doubts about Dobbs being a backup of the future, but I, I love his physical makeup and think, you know, if there's a place he's going to succeed, it would be in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I loved it as well. They also drafted a long snapper, which makes me happy because I'm weird about these odd positions no one else cares about. I gave it a B. I, I'm with you. I didn't really like TJ Watt. This was probably the one defense where I felt like he could be a starter and make a difference just because of the, the scheme that they run up there. 
but overall very solid again for Pittsburgh and they're they're so good across the board right now with the offensive line with the running backs the receivers Big Ben like they didn't have a lot of holes to fill so just the players they got were pretty impressive again down to the wire here one of our last teams the Atlanta Falcons was not a big fan of this draft and and I loved their draft last year I gave it a C plus I didn't like moving up for Tack McKinley. I just think he's he's kind of just an okay starter. I, I wouldn't move up for a guy like that. You know, I do like the Duke Riley pick and understand it. I felt like Sean Harlow was a bit of a reach. I know you said the same thing during the live show. Uh, it, you know, obviously, I like I like Casey a lot, but overall, this is just kind of a meh draft for a team that you're like, man, make that push to get back to the Super Bowl. Find a way to do it. And I don't think they did. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Traded up for Tack, which I, I do think that's a good fit for him uh, schematically. No round two pick. In the third round, you take Duke Riley, which feels really redundant to what they already have on the roster. Like, you, I feel like you drafted him last year in Deion Jones. So it's, it's going to be interesting to me. I assume he's going to be their weak side linebacker, um, maybe play some nickel. But, I, yeah, I didn't like this draft overall. Um, it, it is tougher, you know, when you're picking 31, uh, even with the trade up, like to to make splashes. But I didn't like their valuation on a lot of guys, um, you know, including Demonte Kazee. I thought Sean Harlow went, like you said, way too early. Brian Hill might be my favorite pick of their class, and he came off the board in round five. So I also gave them a C plus. All right. The last team, the, you know, the evil empire. Uh, I don't want to come off as a hater here because. <laughs> I, I think obviously they're just brilliantly run and ever, I think they dominate free agency, obviously well coached. Didn't love the Patriots draft. And a lot of that is just that they didn't have a lot of draft capital. It's as simple as that. I gave it a C because I'm not as high on Derek Rivers as you know everyone else seemed to be, although I think New England will probably make him look amazing. The two picks of tackle, Antonio Garcia and Connor McDermott, are guys that are probably two to three years away from playing football at the NFL level. McDermott came in as a tight end to UCLA. Yeah. Garcia yep. is a tackle that plays at 290 pounds. These guys got a long way to go. I like the upside. What it does for them now, I don't think much. So I'm weird because I actually liked the draft class, but I'm probably factoring in, you know, Brandon Cooks and Coney Ely. And oh, you Mike do that. It's an a. Yeah, it's an A. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's what I gave it. It was an A. So, but I, one thing that I love about Belichick is how far ahead he thinks and plans because he has so much stability there so like you said the tackles are a ways away from playing but that's okay because like Nate Solder and Marcus Cannon are there so as long as they don't have to play right away I think they could be good players and as you mentioned you know Derek Rivers they're going to put him in a spot to be successful and, and probably the same for Dietrich Wise who has you know exceptional length um, they had some success getting Trey Flowers out of there so I, I think they they're going back to the well a little bit for what's working all right, so that wraps it up with grades. Uh, we're going to have on Charlie Uke, who is the NFL Network's NFL Draft lead producer. Can't wait to talk to him, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. And we are back, and we are joined by our second guest of Episode 3 of the Stick to Football podcast, Charlie Uke, the senior coordinating producer of the NFL Network's coverage of the NFL Draft. And as being Bleacher Reports producer of the NFL Draft, which is basically the minor leagues in comparison to what Charlie does, I can tell you how crazy it is. And it's awesome to have you here, Charlie, because we have a lot of different things to ask you today. Cool. Thanks for having me, uh, guys. I am ready to go. So I think the first thing we have to talk about, and 
and we've seen this on our side, you know, like on BR traffic records were insane over the, the three days of the draft. But you guys were like way up this year. Um, you know, they sent over some stats. You were up like 18 percent on overall on viewers and, uh, you know, up, I think, like 24 percent on day one of the draft. So not that anyone technically sees ESPN as competition, but. <clears throat> it has to be encouraging for you guys because your growth over the last year has been amazing. And now you're really starting to get more eyes on your product. Is that like, do you guys see yourselves as like, Hey, we, you know, ESPN has always been the you know top of the mountain for sports coverage. And, and we all grew up watching, you know, Mel Kuyper on the draft. So is that like a goal? Like, Hey, let's go, let's go have better numbers than ESPN. Or do you guys just, you know, Hey, let's, we're good at what we do. Let's just put it out there. We always approach, Matt, um, you know, we want to put the best product out there. And I think the way we've presented this event is starting to obviously make headway just based on the numbers, but we want to um, make sure that uh, we're presenting the material in in a manner that is editorially correct. Um, in a matter that can tell storylines, not just the football part, and maybe branch off to a little bit more than the hardcore football uh, viewer. So whatever gains we're making, I think we're just uh, going to continue down this path we're going where we're merging this football business that's being conducted in the Ultimate Reality Show um, and continue to tell the stories that we feel are pertinent and that kind of um, that hold on. So... I mean, I know what our life was like for the last, you know, week or months or, you know, it's it never ends. But for you guys, you know, in Philly, you're sitting there, you know, you got DJ and Mayock up on the desk and everybody like how crazy is are, are those three days for you? Like, do you do you get a break? Like, how, how do you eat? You know, when you're when you're doing that, like, is it just well, nonstop madness? It's, it is nonstop madness. And it's just because we're off. Once you get there, you know, the week starts on Monday, trying to line up all your ducks and you have meetings and you have rehearsal. So by the time you get to event day and show day, that Thursday night, you're up early because you're just anxious and you're ready to go and you're excited. Um, You're in the trucks watching all the pregame coverage that we have, which is pretty significant now in this day and age. You know, we're on at 7 a.m. with Good Morning Football. We didn't stop until close to midnight when the draft is over, so... That's just a lot of coverage, live coverage straight through. Um, you kind of take a break, you go home, you sleep for a couple hours, and then you're back at it. Uh, there were league meetings every day at any, anywhere between 7.15 and 8 a.m. that we had to attend. Um, so, yeah, look, eating is a byproduct of whatever you kind of get from your wonderful uh, production team that brings you in the trucks. By the way, the cheesesteaks were awesome <laughs> all week, but it's – you know, when you're amped and when you're excited, I think, you know, being tired or whatever you want to call it, that doesn't really factor in because I think the excitement that, you know, internally we have and externally the fans and their desire for the content that we're churning out, that kind of trumps everything else. And it, um, it kind of pushes you forward as you're trying to present, like I said, trying to present the event in the best way and the best light possible. So, um, yeah, I'm tired still, but that's... <laughs> Look, there are plenty of people who do real work, not nothing like I do. And, um, you know, they're, uh, it's a testament to all the men and women that put this production together. Uh, the team we have is both in front of the camera and behind the cameras are, I mean, they're, they're some of the best in the business. So uh, it's, 
when they're pushing, you're pushing. You don't want to you don't want to let that person down to your left or your right. So it was, it was kind of easy, even though you're on fumes by Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we were we were feeling that as well. So, like one of the things that I always like to ask people, whether they're you know a coach, a scout, a player, like what's the craziest like draft weekend story that you're allowed to tell us? Like that that, that won't get you in trouble from the bosses, but something that you know maybe people don't you know don't know about or don't think about as far as draft coverage goes. There, there. Hmm. As far as what happened on the screen or like as far as the TV moment itself, I think the the Laramie Tunsil event last year is probably one of the craziest things I encountered in a live truck as it was developing. I think people were – that was the first time in this day and age of social media you kind of saw um, what can happen when someone tries to tarnish who you are and what you are and it was developing as a live story. It was, I mean, once we heard word, it was, it became a, a telephone game of Ian Rappaport had it, gave it to our, our boss, Mike Murano is here. As I'm producing the draft, he's telling me, you got to be ready for this. There's a report out there. There's a picture out there. Um, as that happens, the Ravens selected uh, Ronnie Stanley with a six pick. Um, and then the Titans, uh, went with Conklin and then you see the fall happen. So that, that in itself was a living, breathing, breaking news story that involved, of course, a gas mask bong that none of us have ever seen before happen. Um, as far as personally, considering that it, it won't get me in trouble because it was several years ago, uh, I won't say which draft, but we were in New York and I met up with some old friends of mine that I hadn't seen in a while. We went to an Irish bar, started doing, uh, shots of Jameson and Guinness. I think we stayed out till 5 a.m. and I still produced a draft that day. <laughs> and it went fine. It was just fine. Um, nothing, nothing like a you know like an early morning uh, egg cheese on a roll from a New York City food cart that won't cure anything. But that's <laughs> that's about as crazy as I went. That's the one I was a little younger than I could do. You know, Guinness and Jameson until five in the morning. That's actually a great story. That see now you need to come to the Senior Bowl for the whole week, and you can get that experience every night. <laughs> I, I love Senior Bowl. I went a lot before, and, and Matt, I think I mentioned to you, I was trying to get down this year, but I actually got sick, so I couldn't make it down. Um, but yeah, at Senior Bowl is a uh, it's a great event. It's it's really truly one of the big kickoffs to draft season for all of us. I think. Yeah. So to tie this into our non-football part of the conversation that we always end up with, um, you mentioned going to an Irish pub. What's your like kicking back after the draft, trying to relax beer of choice? Like what's your go to? Well, it's uh, this is going to be I'll get you can for all those wondering or if there's anybody. I don't think anybody besides my parents are wondering what I do. So, So this is the 10th straight year after the draft. I go to Maui afterwards. So oh. I'll be on a plane tomorrow, and I'll get a nice um, – my room will be stocked with um, – there's there's a lot of local beers there that they have. Uh, so I will be drinking a couple of those uh, as I look at the ocean and just do nothing. That sounds pretty amazing. Uh, it, it definitely beats the, uh, hey, let's start talking about 2018, you know, and, and everybody wants to hurry up and move on. Maui, oh, I got, but that sounds Matt, great. Connor, I got to tell you, like the, the best part of the draft, and as you guys know, is – it's once it's over you kind of take a break but we've already begun the discussions on 2018 you know we're, we're thinking of what commercial music's good who could voice our our draft open who are the top prospects um 
you know, kind of like building that working list as we get to the summer. And then once college kicks off, really, really focusing our efforts on 2018. But it never, I mean, you guys know it never stops. The grind is 365. So, yeah, it truly is. Um, so, last thing for you, because I know you're a, a super busy man. Having been involved with the draft for as long as you have, uh, what do you see as being like the next step? Like, how does our coverage of the draft change and not you don't have to give away any inside secrets but like what's next for nfl network in terms of draft coverage well i think we want to always give the most access we can and that's the biggest differentiating factor i think between both networks presentation if you think of it like um you know convention coverage for politics or whatever there's multiple things uh showing the same event i think where we try to push the envelope is can we get more war room cameras? Can we get more draft parties? Can we get more of those phone calls that you see, um, you know, when when team heads call uh, the players when they pick? Uh, how much more of that stuff we can get? And I think that just connects the fan base to not only the team but to the game itself more directly, understanding that there's so many layers of this onion we can keep peeling back. I don't know what more we can do on day three. In fact, the, the reaction, you know, for rounds four and seven have been on both sides. One of the most polarizing ones being uh, when we went to the Indianapolis Zoo when the orangutan made picks. Uh, I know Mike Mayock threatened to walk off the set, which is why we showed that video again, just wanting to <laughs> walk off the set. Um, but teams and clubs have been trying to generate more fan, you know, interaction at these parties that they have, but also to be as creative as creative as they can the broncos still have the best one from last year not this year where they used uh they were skiing down and jake Plummer skied down and made a pick and jerry Blue, jeremy bloom skied down and made a pick but um you know it's it's becoming more than just football and i think you guys are seeing that so the hardcore football guys are going to be let's be blunt offended by some of this stuff whereas the casual fan and i think that's where we're making inroads are kind of like oh well, this is interesting the houston texans just made a pick from outer space yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. So I think yeah. if, if we can merge those two things, which is keeping keep giving our hardcore fans the access and keep making this a fun event, because at the end of the day, like like we were saying before this started, there is no football going on. There's no X's and O's. There's, you'll see clips and videos of guys and stuff, and we can compare them to whatever player we think they are. But until they actually play the game, you know, week one of the, of the 2017 season, we have no idea if these guys are going to be any good. So, um that's the hope, right? We instill in all 32 fans and clubs and fan bases, and they take that between now and training camp and hope for the best because we truly don't know what we don't know. Otherwise, the three of us wouldn't be sitting here talking right now. We'd be running a franchise somewhere. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Congrats on what was an amazing year for you guys uh, at NFL Network, not just covering the draft, but you know, all year. Um, it's been... It's been my go-to every morning. You know, I, I get to my office, uh, I get a cup of coffee, and I'm turning on Good Morning Football. And, like, that's how I stay up to date, you know, with everything that's going on and everything I have to know and be informed about. So, uh, appreciate your time, and, and good luck, man. Thanks, Matt, Connor. I appreciate you guys, too. Big fans of yours. And, uh, you know, down the line, hopefully we can talk. and do a little preview before 2018 draft. Sounds great, man. Thanks so much. Cool. Thanks, guys.
All right, guys, welcome back to the last segment of a huge episode of Stick to Football Week 3. And uh, I'm going to do something, Connor, and you're going to know what time it is as soon as you hear this. Ready? Yep, that's right. It's draft on draft time. Now, we were joking about this since we had Jake on. So many people sent their questions to Jake, and we got so few little actual draft on draft questions. So it's supposed to be shots on shots this week (laughs) instead. But, uh, you know, let's kick it off. This one from Fenty, at jfenty20. What goes into planning for the NFL draft that most people don't know about or wouldn't expect? Matt, I'll let you start us off, and then I'll I'll explain my side of it. Well, I don't think people understand how much of it is talking to teams. And this is like a thing that that actually bothers me is, you know, you'll put something out on Twitter like I tweeted the other night. Here's a good example. League source told me that the Chiefs were moving up for an inside linebacker because they didn't think any quarterbacks would be available. So I'm sitting there at the desk, get that text, talk to you because we were in the actually in the same room together. Hey, how do we want to put this out? You know, have a quick discussion, send it out on Twitter. You know, league source tells me Chiefs are trying to move up for a linebacker. Well, they moved up for a quarterback. And so everyone's like, oh man, you were wrong. But they didn't expect the quarterback to be there. They thought Patrick Mahomes was going to go much earlier than he did. So it's weird how, you know, the way you word a tweet completely changes if you were right or wrong about something. You know, if I had put in there, Chiefs don't expect the quarterback to be available, they're trading up for an inside linebacker. Like, it's a different perception. So, like, that's probably the thing that people don't know about is when we're preparing for a draft is just how much you and I talk about you know, the way we should word things or, you know, like when the Gary and Conley news broke and I went to our uh, video boss, um, Mike, and was like, how do we want to talk about this? Like, what's the wording that I need to use to talk about this so that, you know, so that we're kind of covering ourselves just in case. So a lot of people think that we just sit around and watch football and then they point a camera at us and we talk or, you know, we just watch football and then write an article about it. But it's the it's the behind the scenes stuff that's really the probably the hardest part of like managing a schedule, making sure your wording is correct, making sure we're talking to the right sources and, you know, not getting burned there and putting out real information and, and not just being a shill for a team or a scout. I completely agree. I mean, on my side of things is a guy that I do a lot of different things for Bleacher Report and my main thing is producing. So we have to get footage prepped for hundreds of players to get ready for these guys to talk over. So you got to have your footage ready. You need to know, you know, Matt makes a list of 400 plus now. I feel like it's over 500 every year at this point of players we should be watching. There's so many different things that go into planning for the NFL draft. And it's crazy because it's a wild 72 hours of coverage. But I mean, man, we start really getting ready for that weekend right after Christmas break. It's that crazy. And there's so much that goes into it. Uh, Moving on, this one from... Anthony Mangaluzo, hashtag draft on draft, is Kaiser the guy or is Kaiser just the next Jimmy Clausen waiting for next year's first round quarterback to step in? Now, here's my thing with this. It's such a tough answer. My gut feeling is that Kaiser is not the guy. I really, listen, I like Deshaun Kaiser's raw talent. You know, obviously. I don't really think it's going to pan out for him. I think his decision-making is very questionable. I don't know if he has the mental processing speed to play quarterback at the next level. Now, betting against him is dangerous because if he does put it all together and he's in a good place to do it with Hugh Jackson and they're finally getting some talent in in Cleveland, listen, he has the physical talent to put it all together, but 
I'm just betting against it because I just don't think the decision making will ever come together. I'm actually with you, and it's it, you like want him to be the guy, right? Because like I think the NFL is better when the Browns are good, so I want him to be. I don't think he is either, right? It, there's just so much work that needs done there, and I'm not sure he's ever going to get the time to put that work in. Like because they're going to be bad, people are going to be calling for him to get onto the field, and I don't know if the Browns can say, "Listen, he's not ready." This is a project. So my worry would be he is going to get thrown to the wolves and it's going to happen way too quickly. And and he's not going to be able to make those plays. This one from Matthew Joe, which newly drafted rookie won the draft? This is kind of a funny question because, I mean, I'm guessing he's saying, you know, who had the biggest rise and who's in a great place. Overall, I'm going to say Hassan Reddick because he just absolutely dominated the process and then it paid off. He went in the top 15 and he didn't even go to a bad football team. He went to a team where he can fly around on that defense and be surrounded by talent with a very good coaching staff. So Hassan Reddick got drafted in the top 15. He's going to be making good money and he's in, he's going to start right away and he's in a great situation to succeed. That's a really tough question because there's so many good players. I'm like trying to pull just one out. Um, a player just drafted who won the draft. I'd put you know, Deshaun my, Watson in there too. I was getting ready to say, I think it's Deshaun Watson because of where he ended up and who he's able to play with. You know, They've spent so much money and so many draft picks acquiring talent on offense. You have Bill O'Brien. You have a great defense that's going to put him in positions to, to make plays. And I know I said this earlier today. We always want to be like, okay, after the draft, let's go back and talk about best fits. This might be the best fit. Like the best possible situation for him was going to Houston. And I honestly think being the third quarterback drafted, he's going to have such a huge chip on his shoulder that it's just going to fuel him because he's a competitor. Like he truly is. And I think that this is just going to fuel him to to really be great. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of fun watching him and Marcus Mariota, you know, battle it out for that division. I think it's going to – those are the teams that have the most talent, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's as simple as that. So, and now, speaking of that division, a team that is going to have a lot more talent very soon. We just got this question in from Travis Fox. Thank you, Travis. Based on what we've seen, where would you rank the Colts in terms of free agency and the draft? Uh, well, if you didn't just hear my rant, you know, giving Chris <laughs> Ballard every piece of credit in the world, the Colts – absolutely dominated the draft they were a top three team coming out of this weekend draft wise you know free agency listen the Colts are getting there I'm not going to actually make this some kind of power ranking thing now I do think you need to give Chris Ballard at least one more full year one more full offseason before you say hey the Colts are that team in the division I'm not really putting them past Houston or Tennessee right now I'm going to put them past Houston and Tennessee because I think luck will be healthy. So I actually like I love it. And we talked about this earlier. I have been saying for I don't even know how long years that I felt like Chris Ballard was the best candidate out there as a future general manager. So uh, it's just so smart what he's done. Spending a free agency on the positions that were weak in the draft. You know, really you know, putting talent around Andrew Luck, giving him a defense that can finally support him to where he's not constantly playing from behind. Like the plan, like just having a plan in Indianapolis is so huge. And and listen, Ballard, you can look at what the drafts were in Kansas City. You can look at how they drafted in Chicago when he was a road scout there. Like this is a 
he's going to turn this team around. Uh, not that they need a whole lot of to be turned around, but like he's going to load this team up to be competitive right now and then super competitive moving forward. So maybe I'm overreacting to a draft class that I loved and a free agency class that I love, but I thought they had the best like turnaround of any team this year. You know, like New England's loaded. They're going to be fine, uh, especially with what they did. But in terms of remaking a roster, I thought Ballard did the best job. Yeah, I would put a lot of – if I was an early betting man right now, I'd put a lot of money on the Luck Ballard era winning a Super Bowl. And I truly mean that. It's not just a hot take. It's not just some fiery take. If you know anything about Chris Ballard's ability to build a roster, uh, look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and they, he has a franchise quarterback in place, <laughs> I'm not betting against it. So, Matt, uh, quick draft on draft this week. That wraps it up. Yeah, it very quick. And um, thank God I needed this uh, tasty Boulevard wheat because it's been a long 10 days, dude. Like it's it's been super long. It's great to finally be home. And um, although I'm, I'm already missing you. So other than that, it's, it's good great. to be home. It was a great week. Um, you know, we're good. But the best news is we get to do this every single week the rest of the year. So. I'm looking forward to next week. Here's the deal. Right now, we do not have a guest lined up as of yet. So um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Stick to Football. And, and do us a favor. If you're listening to this, let people know that you're listening to the podcast. Let us know if you like it. Um, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on TuneIn. We would love for you to rate us there. Um, how many ever stars? Five to one. Let us know how we're doing. But um, the best way for us to build this podcast is by you guys who are listening to it. Um, so tell people. Uh, tweet about it. Talk about it. Uh, however you can help us is appreciated. 